Good evening, Patriots. And it is Monday, December 12th in the year 2022. And another nice evening to reflect on Jesus and God. And I think we needed a whole lot of that considering the state of our nation. I'll tell you right now. Patriots, make sure you're stocking up on supplies. This is not a time to be idle. There's a lot of things happening in our world. And obviously, cutting off food and other access to essential services is going to be part of the plan of forcing us into the corral of entrapment and the worship on our knees of this Luciferian system. To get us into a better place, we have Patriot Supply. Patriots, if you haven't heard, we're heading into the worst diesel fuel shortage in 70 years. And that's a big problem. Because if truckers can't get enough fuel, grocery stores could go empty. You need to stock up now on emergency food. Visit MyPatriotSupply.com and grab a special offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit with a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks that provide over 2,000 calories a day for strength and energy. My Patriot Supply wants to help American families more by charging less. So go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll save 25% on their four-week emergency food kit. Order enough to get your family through the difficult times ahead. At least one kit per person in your home. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and grab all the four-week kits you need. MyPatriotSupply.com Patriots, food is security, both mentally and spiritually. And the time to prepare is now. So check out MyPatriotSupply.com. You will not be disappointed. Just another layer of the supply security that we need in our lives. This is really kind of an unprecedented time. (laughs) Sometimes I'll laugh. That's like Captain Obvious. That just stated that, hello, hi, my name's Captain Obvious, and I've just told you that you're living in an unprecedented time. Like, no kidding. This is insane. We Last hour, we talked about some of the insanity that's going on. And, you know, I, I sat there at dinner earlier, and I was shaking my head, literally saying, you know, if someone had told me even two years ago that, oh, by the way, In the near future, you're going to be doing a show on puppy gay activity and furries. I think I would have looked at them like, dude, what peyote did you try today before you came and talked to me? This is literally insaneville that we're in. And it's something that's going to try us a great deal. What I want to kind of focus in on tonight is and a couple of things. One is to kind of realize, not kind of, let's, let's start really embracing what we're talking about here. Luciferianism is on the full, open, in the open attack on humanity. And we love to try to paint these pictures as if somehow patriots are in control, white hats are leading the revolution, or they're secretly operating behind the scenes. And I am going to have to dispel that a little bit because even, and we're all inclined to it. I'm not going to exclude myself in any way that we aren't somehow inclined to some of this, but where we are all wanting to find is hope. 
And what we're going to have to get really solid in is to realize that hope is through Jesus and Christ to the Father, not in this world. But we also are going to have to start understanding that we're not being, we're not embracing the full power of the supernatural God while they're embracing the copy, the cheap puppet, Lucifer, and the hand tricks that he's offering them. And these people do rituals and do gain power. That's the problem I think we have at the core of a lot of the Christian belief and understanding right now is from the pulpit. We're being taught this very benign, non-supernatural, doctrinal, dead scripture. And that is not the God that I know. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That is not the, the, the God that I know because the God that I know is almighty. He is the one God. He is the true God, and he is the God of hosts. And when we start to embrace that and seek through him, all that he has to offer us, we have something great to offer. But what do you say, I mean, when, you're, when you have a young child or, or a teen or a, someone who's inclined towards being in a furry, and then you have pulpits out here that are saying, well, we need to be more inclusive. I had this discussion, interestingly, in 2018, with a pastor at a Baptist church. And people were bringing in these overlays of their kids, letting their kids, and I think I want to say it was Instagram that started it, and I think Facebook added it quickly on, where they could start putting bunny ears and they could start putting a bunny face. And to watch full families get involved in this, like they thought it was fun. The mom would take a picture of herself and put a, a dog face on herself, and then the little girl would do the same and put a bunny face. Needless to say, I had a few things to say about that. And I really was asking in a beginning of a respectful conversation as much as I could hold my tongue, which was, why are you allowing this in the church? And the comment was literally, well, this is fairly innocent. And I'm like, do you not see what's going on here? You are being walked into a trap. This is how you soften up children to accept bestialities. Somebody just corrected me and said it started on Snapchat, so thank you. That may be true. I, I really wasn't paying attention. I know it went to Facebook, but if that's the case and it was on Snapchat, then thank you for the notice. But I, it, this is something that people were just not paying attention to. And not just people, but pastors I just turned a blind eye to it. They just thought it was fun and play. And it's like, when are you going to start realizing a simple fact. We are behind enemy lines. And the enemy wants to subdue us and destroy us and to eliminate Christianity from its entire existence because we are the greatest threat they have ever faced when we are in full force as the sons and daughters of God. But we're much more interested in goofing around on this stupid technologies I mean, I, I can't imagine a greater weapon to destroy God's children than the promises of the Pied Piper, i.e. Lucifer, that have been given to every family in the digital form. If you're looking for the story of the Pied Piper, look no farther than the laptop and the cell phone that your child has. That's it. It's right there. And the more that we allow this, and there's so much justification going on on this, and parents will 
basically say like, it's okay. You know, we manage the content. You can't manage what is actually going on here. And I'm sorry to disrupt this. I mean, I'm not telling you I don't use them, but I will tell you that as an adult, we are at least more disciplined. I didn't grow up with digital. I added digital in my life, like most people in Gen X. And we don't, we have an ability to separate from it if we choose, which I do regularly. And in so doing, we begin, we are able to maintain a balance to a certain degree without being sucked in to this digital nightmare. We are all obligated to a certain degree, like we're doing right now, to interact on digital forums. And this is, we use them hopefully constructively and positively for our benefit. But with children, they haven't had any other exposure but through the digital medium. And the more that we push it on them, the more that their brains are conditioned for it. And of course, it's equally addictive to elderly that don't have good coaching on what it's doing because they're kind of forced to participate if they want to see their grandchildren. They're going to have to get on FaceTime and et cetera, et cetera. But the real impact is on the kids. And you can't limit the effects that are going on. You're dealing with layers of intentional modulation to affect the brain. Colors of the apps, the, these alert notices, the way that the apps sequence information when you're inside of them, the information that they collect in the process of interacting, the frequencies put out by the phone, the light shades and tones put out by the phone. All of these things are designed specifically to modulate and affect the brain and ultimately to lead to a result that they are the, the appliance and the individual are not separable, hence transhumanism. The only difference between the, the current model of transhumanism and the existing model of transhumanism is that we are still in transition. We're just going to a next stage of it, which was instead of holding the appliance, they want to have the appliance inside the body. But they've already accomplished phase one long ago. And I don't know if you've realized that, but that is a truth. Transhumanists get very clearly that the trans part of that is transitioning too. So notice the rise in transgender. All of these are linked. Transhumanism, transgender, transspecies. All of this is moving everybody to this Baphomet existence. Do as thou will existence with no accountability, no consequence. Everything is pluralized. And they're prepping children right now to embrace in the culture of bestiality and to ultimately embrace the idea of sacrifice. And that's happening with the suicide rules. They're introducing those so that countries, and Canada's in the lead right now, other than I believe Denmark is the other one right now. A number of European countries already have it, but, but Canada's the first one on our continent allowing suicide by choice. And the latest one today was a homeless guy that said his words were this, I, I'm, I'm homeless, I don't like being homeless, but I'm, I don't want to live that way, so I'm choosing suicide, but I don't want to die. I don't know where the confusion comes in there. I make a damn choice, but he's making a choice of death. 
This is sacrifice is what this is. And this is sacrifice to the Lord to the Lord Moloch or the Lord Baal for them to once again gain power. So everything that they do is about power and everything is about Luciferianism that has very many different names on the front end. Satanism and Luciferianism. Satanism is at the core, Luciferianism, same name, same thing. But before, over that overlays many different versions of that. So you, they hide where it's really at. Masonic order, the Freemasonry, all of these things ultimately are Satanist at its core. And all these hand signs that they're doing, all of that's leading to Satanism at its core. And what they're doing is executing that in our in plain sight of us. And they have managed to convert most every leader and influencer in the world into their belief system and their religion. Hence all the hand signs, the honoring of their small case God. We're giving this world away. And I do push back pretty intensely when I hear, because I'll say this and people are like, yeah, but there's only so much we can do. We know that because we know that ultimately Christ is going to come back and fix it all and make it all better. Okay, no doubt Christ is going to come back, and when he does, everything gets leveled. But that does not give us the excuse not to fight. And that's the problem is we end up with a pew marshmallow It simply finds contentment in the church every Sunday to say, okay, that's all I need to worry about. And in the meantime, I just need to endure. It does not say endure in the Bible. Not like we're doing, I'll tell you. So we have to start really embracing a next step. We've talked extensively about this in different forms, but where we are right now literally is to start to realize that the fight that we're at is very real. And they're moving in bold ways. And our greatest weapon is truth. And then being able to build through truth and through that forgiving heart, the true sense of righteousness within us. Not polluted by the aspects of all those negative pieces that they want to see in you. Vengeance, hatred. So if we just call out and say, build your righteousness, most people will build their righteousness through their anger and and vengeance. And that's where we pivot back to having a a purified heart, loving and forgiving heart that leans on God for justice. And through that, we're able to build righteousness. And through that, we're able to deliver justice as God works through us. Important pieces in all this model, because we have not been taught the truth of who we are, it's been held from us. We have not been taught the true magnificence of what kingdom authority is in this world. And patriots, here's a simple proof of that. If you ever have any doubt, because I, I run into this a lot with people and they'll be like, look, you, you need to just stay on that doctrine in church. And it's like, okay, I'm going to tell you what, if we keep pounding on doctrine and start, don't start elevating the supernatural God and the glories and powers in which he gives us, here's my personal statement. Anybody that's going to preach scripture and makes it boring, they should be kicked out of the church because that is not who we are. This is an empowering story, an empowering scripture, an empowering, exciting place to be and to live within that body of Christ, an exciting time with all that's being offered. 
but we're, we're not embracing that level of our faith. Not enough. I won't say not, but not enough because our enemy, trust me, they're getting something. And when they're doing these ritual sacrifices, they're bargaining with the devil, literally. And they're getting something for it, which is allowing people to be drawn over. And there should be an equal excitement when we talk about the power of Jesus and walking within the body of Jesus, which I don't think is that far off of getting excited out of that as long as we understand truly what we're being offered here in to walk. I want to look at Malachi tonight, and I don't know how far we'll get, but I want to start with a piece from the Bible Project. And the reason I want to want to look at Malachi is going to be explained in this first minute and 26 seconds by the Bible Project, which is a very interesting understanding of the context of where Malachi begins. And it goes to this place where we literally in a certain way are right now. We had, we've had almost three years of COVID. And what we're seeing is, and in that three years, people are racing back to as they were, but with new rules and restrictions, and they haven't changed. Not much. So, yeah, okay, we got to wear a mask. I don't have to wear a mask anymore, but oh, okay, well, I've already got the vaccine. Yeah, maybe I'll get a booster. That's okay. And we really haven't changed a whole lot. There's a, there's a remnant that has, but we haven't really changed a whole lot. And I think this is a big part here because if, in this process of being a remnant and understanding Malachi, our fight never ends, even though so many are going to be sold, are going to sell themselves to this power of Lucifer and all the temptations. And though we may not see the outcome of our fight, that's debatable. We may or may not. Nonetheless, our commitment through Christ in this fight and enduring this never stops. And that's where we have to hold that line. Is as difficult as the world may be, as insane as it may be, our mission never stops. I mean, literally, I've even I've said something like this before, but I've even changed it a little bit. Like if God called me and said that Jesus is going to be there in an hour. I think really anymore I would say, awesome, God, unless you demand that I'm there on spot on time, I'm going to keep working until you call me or Jesus calls me because I've got work to do and this is a an intense fight. And I can stand on those words and actually not exaggerating. So I, I think this is the focus we have to get is to realize that our mission is extremely critical right now. And it's getting more so as this world turns into a greater level of insanity. And it's, it's a place where our truths have to be spoken and lived into at all times. Example is like getting together with friends and family. Everybody wants to soft shoe or not say something for a fear of offending somebody. That, that rule went out the door a while ago or should have. Because as we've really walked deeper within the body of Christ, there is no place in there that there's room for us to say nothing or for us to hold back the truth. How you shape your message, that's up for a discussion. But nonetheless, truth needs to be spoken. You can't continue to allow people to walk in front of you and not speak truth. That's, that's where we start to have a bigger problem because we're not allowing God to work through us when we're not going to speak that truth. So let me play this minute and 26 seconds on Malachi. I think it's really good. 
the book of the prophet Malachi. He lived about a hundred years after the Israelites had returned from their Babylonian exile, and his message was directed to the people who had been living in Jerusalem for some time now. The temple had been rebuilt a while ago, and things were not going well. Just remember the stories from Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, when the Israelites first returned from exile, their hopes were high. They would return and rebuild their lives and the temple. All of the great promises of the prophets would come true. The Messiah would come and set up God's kingdom over a unified Israel and over the nations and bring justice and peace for all. But that's not what happened. The Israelites who repopulated the city proved to be just as unfaithful to God as their ancestors, resulting in poverty and injustice. And so in Malachi, we find out just how corrupt this new generation has become. The book's designed as a series of disputes, and most sections begin with God saying something, making a claim or an accusation, and then Israel will disagree or question God's statement. And then God will respond and offer the last word. This happens six times. In the first three disputes, God exposes Israel's corruption, and in the final three disputes, he confronts their corruption. And the overall impression you get from these arguments and disputes is that the exile fundamentally didn't change anything in the people. Israel's hearts are as hard as ever. I think that's so apropos for where we are right now, because when we look at so many that have gone through the COVID thing, there has not been a tremendous amount that has changed in many. I'm not saying all, by no means. And we're sitting here as a community and we've seen tremendous change within ourselves, but there's a lot of people out here that are fundamentally not changed. And even worse is we're seeing more levels of perversion than we've ever imagined. I haven't seen statistics, but I would, I think an interesting indicator of where we would be, and I have an idea where it would be, unfortunately, and it won't be good, is to look at porn consumption across the United States from the statistics I have seen, and I'm not saying I've seen some that are like current up to date as in this last year in the kind of declining COVID insanity, the COVID idiot period. But up until at least 2020, porn consumption has increased exponentially, including expanding into the, into women and women right now have constituted at least within the last 18 months the highest levels of new growth in the porn market of anybody out there. The reason I bring that up is that that's just really showing you that in this time where we had time to reflect, time to search deep within ourselves in a very disrupted period, many people chose rather to do that rather than do that to seek out the greatest trap Lucifer has to offer, which is the porn of and fantasies and adultery in our mind. So we are in a moment in time as a humanity that we're at critical judgment places. I don't know where this is going. And I say this because there's this level of nations will be judged and that's in the in and now. We individually will have to stand before father and face judgment. And there's no question about that. But the one thing that I myself am not going to be found doing. And I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you I walked a holy life because I didn't. But when I accepted Christ and was brought to my knees and literally God put, his, put that choice before me, I've not looked back. And that is where if we're going to burn the turf up for God, this is the time to do it. We're in a very disruptive place. When I look, when I 
that intro I just played on Malachi to me is very apropos because as we have left the masking period and the less intensity on the injections, there is a sense of people coming back and expecting a profound change. That has been kind of there. And unfortunately, this is a much more devious plan than that. It'd be nice to say it was that easy, but I'm even beginning to suspicion a lot of what's going on with Twitter in a different light. What concerns me in these releases with Twitter is that the entire world's eyes have been drawn again to one centralized topic, and we're going backwards to look at truth drops that occurred two years ago. But these monsters aren't stopping. I need to be very clear about that. And it's nice to paint these patriot pictures that you hear, like white hats are in control, dumbs are being re- being cleared out, children are being freed. I could go on the list of stuff. I mean, we don't have any photos, which is un- it's unprecedented. We don't see any of the children coming out. We don't know where those are going. But there's a lot of fantasy going on in all of this, right? And people want to build these fantasies of hope because the stress of this war is intense. How many times I've said that there's no war that is more intense and more destructive than an information war. And people are witnessing that. And so the only way through an information war, the one thing that every psyoper never figures out is that the only way through an information war and the way to defeat the psyop is to put your love in Jesus and from Christ to the Father. And when you hold that line Your expectations change. Your morality resets. You are living in a different place, so to speak. And you're executing a spiritual exodus from the insanity around you. It gives us the baseline, the rock, literally to stand on as the storm is raging around us. These these corruptions that are here are deep. There was a piece I listened to today by Steve Bannon in the War Room, and I, Steve asked a very honest question. You know, I need to say this, too, because there aren't that many people out there that I listen to, not because there aren't some good content, but as a consistent deliverer of, of a wide range of topics that are affecting us in the critical moment of this time. I will, you know, Steve Bannon's on that list that I do listen to, and I encourage you to listen to him because it doesn't matter where you sit with his his view his statements he said on about his faith and so forth the fact is that he's constantly pushing the window on critical channels like transhumanism the vax um, he has a very mobilized and engaged following like bard's nation does there's a lot of similarities in the modeling though he's much bigger but nonetheless there's a lot of richness in what he said and what he said today, which I'm in total agreement with because I'm happy to hear somebody of his size ask the question, is there anything redeeming in this current system or does it all need to just simply be burned to the ground? And his guest said, it all needs to be burned to the ground. You've heard me say that because we're dealing with an architecture that was built metaphorically on a foundation of sand. It is Babylon by nature. It is built around magic and child sex sacrifice, and it's built on the, the blood worship of the cults that, are, that run this world, which in the end of the day are all Satanist. And it, whether we like it or not, a lot of what we're witnessing here, as I've said, is that there's an infighting going on between these leaderships that is coming out as if there is a good and a bad side, and we're missing the point that they're all interconnected through Satanism. 
the, the third path is us. We are that path. And we have to make that decision as a people of where we're going to walk. Are we going to walk with God or are we going to walk with the promises of these idols? Kanye West is a great example of this insanity. So is, and even the worship of Elon Musk. It's unbelievable how quickly people migrate. Tulsi Gabbard, another one, how quickly people migrate to worshiping somebody rather than realizing we have the power. God gave us dominion and authority. He didn't ask us to give it to another human. And yet that tends to be the inclination of what's happening. And that's part of that place where Malachi begins because we come to this point and we arrive here and then we say, okay, well, what's changed? What's different? Exciting. You know, and even if we look at, okay, well, President Trump is as much on the scene. So then immediately eyes go to DeSantis and then eyes go to, to Kanye West, right? Eyes go to Tulsi Gabbard. Eyes go to Elon Musk. It's amazing. And here's what's even crazier. No one's actually sat down with these people. Kanye West goes on Alex Jones. He talks in, in the same interview. He talks about promoting Christianity, loving God, loving Hitler, and wearing a Balenciaga mask. I mean, can people not see that cognitive problem right there? And then asking him to be allowed to continue. He doesn't think that Balenciaga should be condemned for what they do. And all of this happens right before people's eyes, and they say, yeah, but Kanye's accepted Jesus. There are such things as liars that speak with a forked tongue, okay? And Lucifer is the father of lies. These are all things to, and what they're doing is, what Kanye does is massively successful. One, he accomplishes getting out of his contract which was what he was trying to do without getting a lawsuit. They released him, so he didn't have to pay a lawsuit, so he broke his contract, point number one. And point number two, which accomplishes everything, is he has the right rallying around him and the left calling him a racist. And those two sides are now pitted against each other, and Kanye walks away, and he's untouched. Elon Musk goes to the the Halloween ball in a Baphomet outfit, his icon, his avatar on Twitter is still him wearing a Baphomet outfit. And as they're downloading all of this information, which is they're calling the Twitter files and people are looking at this and obsessed with this, what aren't we looking at that's going on around the world? Are we paying attention to the shift in the banking system? Are we paying attention to the decline in the oil purchase capacity of the United States? Are we paying attention to this new green agenda that they're forcing us into to force a mass lockdown? Are we paying attention to the continued expansion of, of AI and the, and the bioweapons industry through the versions of nanotech or all the money that's dumping into the military-industrial complex as we all look at Twitter and they say, hey, look at us, we just introduced a new B-21 bomber and we're going to be replacing with a sixth-generation fighter and, oh, they're only like $680, $680 million a copy, so don't worry, while 10 million homes are on short sale and we are looking at 480,000 homes on the FHA loan that are ready to be foreclosed. I mean, this is insanity. And yet the entertainment and this entire fight that we bury into in this digital sphere has sucked us away from reality, accountability, and ultimately we become the same as the children that return to Israel where Malachi begins. 
We can change that, though. And we can change that by simply making sure that everything and every breath we do is working through God. It's easy to say. I think we all know it's easy to say. The question is, do we do it? I don't know where you're at with that. I'm not making any suggestions you are or are not there other than search your heart. Okay, this is such a critical time for us to walk with Jesus. And it's such a profound time. And I believe that there is a great deal of judgment going on. And I believe that a lot of what we're witnessing here is going to require us to dig more, to dig deeply into Father and to try to seek the relationship with the supernatural God. That's my belief. And I, and I won't let that one go. Because I believe that where we begin with Scripture is only the beginning. And what happens as we dig into the supernatural God is that the true volume of depth, the meaning of Scripture, opens up to us in dimensions we can never imagine. And with that comes enormous gifts and responsibilities with each of those gifts. So we are dealing with an enemy that's everywhere in the influence sphere. And they want one thing in the end. While they fight with one another, they are also like all seeking one thing, to subdue Christianity forever. And that's our real challenge, is how we get over that and how we get through that. And, without getting, and to get through it without finding ourselves ravaged by vengeance and hatred and anger and even worse, somehow thinking that we don't, that God doesn't deliver. That's the one that's the catch-all right there. Well, God doesn't bring justice. Or God isn't, I mean, these are, these are mock, I'm not saying these words in truth. I'm saying these are things people say. God doesn't bring justice. Or, you know, there is, we, we don't need to focus on that supernatural God. Focus on, just stay true to the word and that's it. I'm just like, okay. But Christ healed people. Christ cast out demons. How does that begin? And it always begins in the same place if we're truly going to use it, which is accepting Jesus and the people we work with accepting Jesus and making commitments to break these ties that we have with the past influences and to, to heal those wounds that we carry with us that the enemy exploits and to purify our hearts in a way that we can walk more deeply into that kingdom authority. And to ask God to literally allow us there and to guide us there and to listen to what he has to say. The, the burden of this world will only increase on all of us. Because it's by design. There's no way. I mean, if, if anybody's going to tell me that these elites are going to benevolently hand the world back to the people for the betterment of the people... Let's just say they do. Let's just say, for example, they say, okay, because I'm going to tell you, this is a real interesting little catch-all right here. I actually know this scenario firsthand, by the way, because it, it was a scenario that we played with at one time for some work we did in one of the special operations commands. And it's this. Let's give them what they want. Give them the world back. Give them the authority back. They'll be begging for us to come back and establish order. Why? 
because we haven't resolved the ability for us to be able to build the bridges with one another. We haven't overcome the powers of anger and hate and vengeance. We don't embrace the power of walking with a forgiving heart and a loving heart. And we don't seek Father God and the guidance of justice and his delivery of justice by his hand and through us. We don't seek to establish justice through a moral law. We want to do justice through our own minds, which ultimately gets corrupted. We see civil law separate from moral law. And as we start to structure all of this and see what's going on, we're not walking in the place where we are modeling what we should be. And instead, we get frustrated and short-circuited. Let me tell you, if I was an elite right now, the first thing I would do, and I would do it very quickly right now, it's opportune time. I'd step back and say, hey, y'all, you got it. It's yours. We're out of here. And I'd go sit in my palace or my bunker somewhere when it's well-built with palatial spaces, and I would just watch what happens. And I will guarantee you, it won't be long before the world is begging for the same people that gave them the world to return and subjugate them to, to slaves again. We're seeing this in the, in the infant stage with this idol worship. And the propensity for people to, the inclination better, for people to want to worship idols is stunning to me. I, I be honest, I've always had an issue with authority. I don't do well with people telling me what to do other than God. And there I'm obedient, but everyone else, they just it just grates on me. Unless I'm so guided. So if we're if you we're walking in this space and we're not listening to that obedience, I'll give you a simple one that it is so hard for people to embrace. It's like don't file taxes. And I can tell you that if I say those words, people will be like, oh, I can't do that. Like, why not? I can't do that. I mean, they're going to come after me. Do you have no faith? Well, oh, and then they'll quote Romans. Well, we have to, you know, pay our taxes to the government. It's like, I don't think anywhere in there it said pay your taxes to the Luciferian order. I'm pretty sure it didn't say that. And I'm pretty sure it didn't say pay your taxes to the Babylonian money magic fools either but we do. And the idea of stepping away from that is just cringing on people. They feel so afraid. And again, I go back to that, those words and it's literally Christ in the back of the boat as they're going across the lake. Have ye no faith? Where is your faith? Yet this is how they hook us and this is how they hold us. And then we, we, console ourselves with going and saying, okay, well, it's just, just this thing I'm doing that's wrong. Or we live conflicted. Okay, I, just, I have to do this because I'm kind of afraid. But I don't want to admit that fear, so I'm going to go over here and do something say, I'm not afraid. I have no fear. Okay. Whatever. We have to seek to live purely within the body of Christ. We have to seek to live powerfully and purely within the body of Christ. There's wisdom in Christ's minimalist living. There's less that you lose if they do take. There's wisdom in Christ's minimalist living because we're, there's no temptation to fall in love and, and be obsessed with things that you'll never take on in, in the true power of the kingdom. 
the teachings of Jesus are so important that we really go beyond just the certain experiences and we get back to those fundamental issues, which I find to be so, so important in the lessons that are put before us that we tend to too quickly dismiss. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. What does that mean in your life? What are you willing to trust in your life that that becomes manifest in reality? That that becomes manifest not as you, but as you and the body of Christ as God manifesting through you. This is a big difference too, because any of these things that I say like this or John 14, 12, which I'll repeat here in a second, this isn't us. Witchcraft is me trying to make magic in the world. That's me. That's it. I'm going to try to rub my hands together with a couple sticks, and I'm going to try to get some power, electricity coming out of my hands, and I'm going to start a fire or some garbage like that. That's witchcraft. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. All we are is vessels, but to be that vessel, we have to have the purified heart to allow the Holy Spirit to work with us and literally bring, quote, God's miracles before us. We are simply a vessel for that to happen. So John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. What do those words mean to you in truth? Do you believe them? Because if we start to embrace just these two scriptures, and there's many more, but just these two scriptures, let me tell you something. In those two scriptures is everything we need if we understand and let God work through us at the level that they're talking to slay this evil and literally slay it instantly. But we have to have the trust and we have to have the belief. And we can't have the corruption in our heart And that's what we should be seeking, in my opinion. I, I, I feel so strongly about this. I mean, this is, you're just hearing part of my daily process with Father and my conversations with Jesus. Is these are just extensions of those conversations. You know, it's kind of like us living this mantra that everyone's going to die that took the vax. There are people dying, so it's kind of hard to disprove that narrative other than the fact that if I read John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. And I say that, and I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Why am I believing the Father of lies that everyone's going to die from this damn vax? But it takes two. It doesn't take one where two or three are gathered. So if we're going in on our own and we're trying to say like, whoa, I'm going to make you healthy again, it's a whole lot easier when the other person is saying like, yes, I believe in Jesus. Good, let's work together and let's let Jesus work through us. Challenging times. And I think... Even for me today, just speaking candidly, going through the level of moral depravity and bankruptcy that has happened in this world when we get into the ins and outs and the, the examples, the locations, the actual cases of people acting like animals, kids dressing like furries, military people putting on doggy roll masks. I mean, it's about enough to make me want to throw up in my mouth. But 
if I build anger and hatred to it, that's Satan in my heart working. What would be a response that would be effective is to find those children and pray for them and pray with them. And it may not be one. It might be, it might take multiple times to do that, but that's the seeking we have to do because that's the discipleship on the ground. We're not going to win this thing with the sword of steel. I'm not telling you ever to put that sword of steel aside. And I'm, I'm saying that so many times, but this fight is so deep and spiritual. Whatever the many mechanisms, not just whatever, but the many mechanisms which they are using to activate this depravity, this moral bankruptcy, and you can't deny it. People can say, well, you know, it's been there. Yeah, not like this. It erupted in 2021. We can case studies show that by the articles that are being written about furries and the explosion of them. It happens around 2021. What else happens in 2021? The vax. What else happens in 2021? An accelerated level of blood rituals and sacrifice of children to empower this control over people. What else happens? Massive amount of media propaganda. What else happens? Fear porn off the charts. I mean, I can go on a list of things, right? And the influences that should be shielded from the children because adults are strong and parents and units are around them and we have supposedly good teacher mentors helping students navigate through, they all were part of the problem. And so we cast our elderly off to die and we watch our children be molded into the vision of Satan and it should be sickening to every one of us and it should be at the same time the fuel that lights the fire of righteousness, not anger, hatred, vengeance, but the true righteousness of fire of righteousness of heaven, which seeks to remedy this by healing those that have been afflicted and casting out those that have caused the infliction. And letting Jesus guide your hand as that is done to those that are doing the damage are cast out to wherever Jesus seeks to send them. And if that's the lake of fire, wonderful. That's, in simple sense, the power that we have to be walking and realizing. And we have to, and it, it there's a broadness in what we're talking about here, which is to focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. And I mean this because in this weathering of the storm, there's so many distortions in our world. And the distortions that come from the pulpit are unprecedented. Focus on Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you tonight we come to you very humbled, just reflecting on the beginning as we start to study for the next couple of nights on Malachi. And just a reminder in the beginning of Malachi, the setting of those that came back after all was supposed to be good, only to discover that they had not themselves changed. Father, we pray tonight that we are not that, that in this process of the last three years, we just pray that we'll have a deeper heart for you, a deeper walk within the body of Christ and a deeper seeking for the connection of kingdom authority and the supernatural God. This is a tragic time to watch the devastation that's happening on a spiritual plane to so many. Not easy to witness, not easy to be there, but we truly are holding this place that we have an important and essential role in this fight, that you have us here for that. 
to hold that line and to do more than that, to literally expand that kingdom and as every chance possible, subdue that enemy. So with that said, Father, we just ask that you guide us, give us that authority as we step into that place to guide our hand in the place of justice and righteousness, to avoid the convolution and corruption that happens so quickly in this battlefield, so quickly in this war, that we can be corrupted with the emotions of vengeance and hatred and and even fear and dismay and being timid. Let us not be that. We pray for the strength of the armor that's around us. We pray for the mightiness of the men and women of the kingdom, of you, Lord, to step into this fight to be unwavering in that rock of faith, to be unwavering in our love and focus on Jesus, to not be pulled this way or that, not to try to seek that which isn't before us, to truly put our eyes on Jesus and walk with Jesus in this fight and stay there, hold that line. See that banner of Christ above us. Focus on the fight there not chasing the hopes and dreams of things that have yet to come or haven't come, whatever. Stay in that moment, in that place with Jesus as we wage this war against Lucifer himself. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Our love in Jesus, man, it's what unites it's what heals it what's it's what empowers it's what flips tables it's what heals the sick it's what casts out demons it's what gives us the wisdom to confront an enemy and disarm him with words and all of us need to be on that page again i don't know where you are and i'm these are just Letting the words of Father move through tonight. But I will tell you that I've said this before and I will say it now. There is rage and there are tears in heaven. And that's not something I say lightly or that's something I'm just trying to say metaphorically. There are rage and there are tears in heaven. And it's the frustration and rage of coming from watching the perfect creation in God's image turn their back on him. And it's the tears and sorrow of seeing a people that don't embrace this purity and perfection in which Father God is. That's all we should be seeking. Because the glory of the kingdom awaits, but it also awaits to move through us in this space. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots. I will see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest depth.
Close to me, look how it is. 